Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. And now Clifton for Samuelson. Down deep of the ball, follows it off. Pass up ahead, brought up to center by Jost to see him down the middle. Scores! Samagus Gergensen drives the lane. They find him, and the Sabres take a 1 0 lead. Thompson trailing, now going to the net as Tuck sweeps it in front. Into the far corner, Tuck gets it back to the point for Power. Power along the ice. Skinner put that one in the back of the net with a really quick release. That was a catch and shoot beauty. And the Sabres lead it 2 nothing with 4.32 remaining in the opening period. Greenway, high slot in the Tampa zone. He'll leave it. Dylan Cousins trying to create a lane with a shot. Scores! The workhorse from Whitehorse in overtime. And the Sabres win it 3-2 with 3.14 to go in the extra period. Sabres won three in a row against the Lightning going back to last year and have their first win of the season. Welcome to the Face-Offs Matter edition of Sabres Live with Marty Baron. I'm Brian Duff. Amazing what can happen when you win 50% of your draws or more. They did it by committee last night, Marty. They had a lot of wingers who had very effective nights on the dot. And Peyton Krebs certainly lived up to, uh, you know, his elevated role in that regard and maybe in defensive responsibility too. But most importantly, one in the win column for the blue and gold. Yeah, that was really important, obviously, to get that win. I will say this, face-off matters. Uh, as long as you're not 30%, which is something that the Sabres had been. Uh, and they also matter when it's the start of overtime. So you got Dave Thompson ding. winning the uh, face-off at the start of overtime, and the Sabres never really gave back the, the, the puck to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, they had some scary moments. My heart almost jumped out of my chest when Levi gave the puck to Alex Tuck, and Tucky, as he came in front of the net, slipped on a banana peel and lost the puck. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like – they're going to shoot in the empty net, and this is how it's going to end? Uh, because you couldn't tell who was on the TV. You couldn't tell if there was a Tampa player there or a Sabres player there. Sabres ended up getting the puck back. Everything was fine. Uh, but that's when it matters most, I would say, especially at the start of overtime. And they won that one. It's like getting a face-off with 20 seconds left. Your goalie's pulled, right? Win that draw. That's the one that matters. The other 45 don't matter as much as that one. The one at the start of OT really mattered for the Sabres. 
Lots to dive into. We're taking your uh, reactions at Sabres Live on Twitter and uh, specifically as to who kind of stepped up to help um, fulfill this goal of getting in the win column here with still three games to go on the homestand. They're one and two, and there are no teams left without a point, I think, right? Is that, yeah, because Seattle's got a point. They've just lost four in a row, so yeah. it's uh, it's been tough sledding for them. But what's interesting, Marty, is we can go through quickly the overtime, which then allows us to talk Dylan Cousins a little more was the overtime players. You started with Thompson and Tuck up front with mm-hmm. Rasmus Dahlin. You mentioned the hairy moment that they had. But you then saw Middlestat with Greenway. And if this isn't further evidence of those two, plus Benson, being trusted by the coaching staff and earning these opportunities, then I don't know what is. I mean, so you saw them out there with power. They had a glorious chance. Power hit the post. You had Dahlin come back out there. And ultimately, the game ended with Skinner, Cousins, and Dahlin. How were they, in your opinion, able to navigate this almost two-minute run, maintaining a ton of puck possession and poise? And I say that because they had given up the latest tying goal in the NHL this year to Brandon Hagel with just seven seconds remaining. Well, they have worked on the three-on-three and for a little bit on the four-on-four through training camp in the first uh, week of the regular season in practice. So uh, some of the things that I saw in overtime yesterday, maintaining possession, you know what? It was so funny because there was a moment where Dallin was right by the blue line and he almost backed out in the neutral zone and said, no, I'm not. And I think that's a mindset. Like, don't leave the zone unless you absolutely have to. Because when you leave the zone, you're giving the other team a chance to regroup and recover. And Dallin made sure that the puck stayed in the blue line. Now, the very next play, it came out and the Sabres were able to come back out. But then you get your change when that mm-hmm. happens. It doesn't matter if Tampa gets their change. You get your change you have fresh body and you have the puck that's the biggest thing but for me like Thompson and Tuck at the start of overtime they had a couple of good looks Thompson had the toe drag that almost worked and I think that there was a buzz in the crowd when it happened the best player in overtime last night was Casey Middlestad he's not the one that gets the goal he's not even on the ice when the goal is scored but the play that he made on the wall to put power in the slot and have that post chance the hustle that he made to the corner, there was two plays that case two three plays I should say that Casey made in overtime that I'm like that's why he's second over the board. That's why it's stuck in Thompson and then it's middle stat. Now, Greenway has earned that second opportunity even in this game. Mm-hmm. He was noticeable. Absolutely. He started the game with a crossbar that's that kind of set the tempo. Guys, Let's shoot the puck on this goaltender. Let's beat this goalie clean. Let's not have Jonas Johansson beat us in our building right now. And it was Greenway that set the tempo. So, you know, Twitter question is who stepped up? For me, I think it's Casey Middlestat. Um, because I thought he was really good in the game and in overtime really showed me something. Jordan Greenway could be on that list as well. I think that Thompson could be on that list as well. Like, Tage Thompson looked like himself yesterday. Penalty like, killing. Penalty really killing with, with Greenway. With yes. Greenway, that's two huge guys with long yeah. reach. There was the two of them plus Johnson plus Samuelson, and yeah. the sequence ended with a diving Samuelson sweeping it out of the zone. The yes. whole time we're sitting there going, this has to be the tallest penalty kill they have ever put together. It's it, And it's a factor. I remember my brother playing in the NHL, and he was always on the power play. My brother was six foot seven, and he was on the power play. And then he went to play with the Hamilton Bulldogs in the AHL. Donnie Lever was the coach. Mm-hmm. And Lever's like, 
You're not going to play the power play. You're going to be on the penalty kill. I, I'm going to use every inch of your reach and your, your laying down to block passes, whatever. I'm looking at Thompson and Greenway and I'm like, I'd, I'd hate to be a defenseman playing at the point yeah. because every time there's one of those two guys coming at me, there's six foot five, six foot six of, of body plus another six feet of stick and arm. It's like they have a 15 foot radius that they can cover and you can't get anything through them. I thought that was excellent. But even Tage getting the puck down the wing with a couple of steps, right? Like the crossover acceleration. Like I thought Tage was really good. And that set the tempo. That set the tempo for the Sabres to push instead of being pushed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, Dylan Cousins uh, garnering a lot of the pregame talk um, because, you know, he just hadn't quite found himself yet. And I think, I don't know if he has fully, but his line had an alteration going in and that was Krebs moving up to play yeah. on the right side with Victor Olofsson coming out. So while his line was the talk because of that, he ends up being the talking point after he now has two career overtime goals. We'll never forget the other one because it came on Ryan Miller night. Yes. And you're probably not going to forget this one for a long time because it was a really, really, really needed victory just three games into the season. What's incredible, Marty, is it's the only game so far in the NHL to be decided in overtime. There have been eight shootouts, so now Dylan Cousins stands alone among his 619 NHLPA brethren skaters as the only overtime goal scorer this year. Long may it last. Cousins atop the leaderboard. Yes, this is a very impressive and unique. The fact that we are a week in and uh, we haven't had an overtime game-winning goal until last night, although and let's make a little bit of fun here. Let's have some fun. Yeah. The NHL Network uh, Twitter account tweeted that Nick Cousins of the Buffalo Sabres scored his first ever game-winning overtime goal last night. And I'm like, number one, Nick <laughs> Cousins is not on the Buffalo Sabres. Number two, Nick Cousins is not spelled C-O-Z-E-N-S. It's C-O-U-S-I-N-S. And number three, Dylan Cousins has already scored an overtime goal. With the Buffalo Sabres last year. So, and the response to that tweet were so funny. Out like smart people are like, yeah. this tweet is entirely false. <laughs> that was one <laughs> that was hilarious. Like, there was not one, maybe like the fact that the Sabres had won an OT was the only true part of the whole tweet. But yeah, mm -hmm. so Dylan Cousins joins Nick. Cousins as the only overtime goals this season in a fantasy world. Well, as an original host at NHL Network in 2008, I can vouch for accuracy not being our strong point. So, uh, you know, not we, with we, you, <laughs> with the, maybe the research team. I'm sure you Dude, did more we did, research we, work. We didn't have a social media team back then. I can no. also assure you that. So, um, no, it was it was amazing. But don't you think that the wise guy in the room? somebody would have changed his nameplate this morning. So oh. when they come to the rink, it's going to have Nick. Like these guys, and I was in the room the other day for the first time in, in a while based on, you know, some scheduling conflicts and just seeing some of the silly stuff yes. that's in the background in the guy's stalls. It just, it's been building for years. And I think that this will be another one of those new nickname potential scenarios. Look, I, we make a lot of mistake in this business and we're often 
right about things. Last night, I almost had my heart just like completely sink to my heels because at seven o'clock, I turned on ESPN to watch the Sabres game because I said on this show yesterday, when we said it's ESPN, I said, and it's the real ESPN. It's not ESPN plus where you got to get the app or whatever. It's the real ESPN doubleheader tonight. Seven o'clock, I put ESPN. It's like some college football show or whatnot. And I'm like, Where's the game? Did I mess up? Did I do it again? Like, because we had a little mistake earlier in the preseason. I'm like, did I do it? I'm losing my mind. And then so just you to went realize- to Sabres.com to see if it was streaming no. there? No, I then I went to the ESPN app. And then I went on ESPN Plus. And then I'm like, where's the game? They don't even have it on ESPN Plus. Like, I'm losing my mind just to find out it was 730 and I was correct. So well, it happens. But I'll tell you this. the The Nick Cousins... Like reference on Twitter yesterday by the NHL Network was not even the worst that they've ever had. So when Philip Forsberg scored four goals two years ago, they said on the late like recap show that even his dad, Peter Forsberg, had never scored four goals in the NHL. I'm like, Peter Forsberg is not Philip Forsberg's dad. And it was edited for the morning loop. It was yeah. taken out of the show for the morning show. Oh my goodness. Well, it it was it was amazing to just kind of witness i as you know i was sitting down in the stands last night and yes um, it was really refreshing to just kind of get that perspective from a different angle the arena looked actually uh, like so bright and it was just because i my you know kind of game night experiences there in the stands are typically bandits right mm-hmm. so it's darker it's black and orange as your color scheme right yep. so like sitting down there the the brightness of the lighting and the jerseys and the new ribbon board and stuff like that like it was it was it was a real adjustment for the eyes actually from from that low angle and i loved it and i i thought both goaltenders were really good last night um felt for jonas johansson obviously but I thought, you know, for a, a struggling Tampa team that's without Vasilevsky, I thought this kid did a pretty and Stamkos and without Stamkos and um, you know, like they, the crazy part was they were able to keep Kucherov off the score sheet, which almost yeah. never happens. He hit and a crossbar I, in the third period, though. Oh my gosh, yeah. on the short side, on over the right shoulder, of Devin Levi. Yeah, um, but I thought Levi was really good too, didn't you? I thought he was really good too. I I think according to. Um, sports logic this morning, the expected goals at five on five, even strength expected goals were really low. They were one and a half to one and a quarter. So there yeah. wasn't a lot of chances at five on five or some more chances on both sides. Um, but I thought the big thing and Ryan Callahan on the broadcast yesterday, um, learn a few things or two from playing with uh, Lundquist and myself is that when you don't give up rebounds, the game slows down and it makes it a lot easier. When you're square as a goaltender and the puck hits you and it stays with you, it makes a big difference. I felt like in the first two games, even though Levi was was good, not superb, not excellent. He was good in the first two games. There was yeah. times where he found himself sideways with rebounds going off of him and and not really controlling those those secondary chances. In the game yesterday, Tampa had a very low shot attempt, especially in the first 40 minutes. Why? Because they didn't get second opportunities. So that was definitely a, a good thing on Levi. Well, here's hoping that uh, this is a reversal of past ESPN fortunes. Sabres 1-0 now on ESPN this season after a disastrous run last year on nights when we weren't broadcasting. We were like the Samuelson effect. Our uh, record was fine. It was it was when they were on ESPN that things didn't uh, go particularly You brought well, up Matias Samuelson. Exactly. Day-to-day here. Day-to-day, so. and, and I think that Don Granado didn't, feel like it was going to be 
significant, but so I went back. Like Matias Samuelson played the first two minutes of the third period. He actually had a long two-minute shift. Why? Because there was two icings, couldn't change. And then Dalene, being the left defenseman, was right by the bench. He went for a change where Samuelson stayed on the ice an extra 40 seconds. And you know, and he looked he looked tired at the end of the shifts, but he didn't look like anything was really bothering him. He was physical on Braden Point. He was physical with Hegel. He actually had a reach with his right arm. Um, he played the puck. Like he, he, when somebody has a something that's significant, either a block shots or he gets hit and they wince and something bad happened, you notice it. Mm-hmm. And I even went back to the end of the second period. I'm like, okay, was there a shift in the second period that maybe you could see something? There was nothing significant that I could see. Although when Samuelson went back to the bench, he quickly went to the bench, sat down, got back up, and headed down the tunnel. So it wasn't one of those where he sat down, the trainers come and talk to him. Hey, you okay? I don't know. I'm a little hurt, and this feels awkward or weird or whatnot. No, he went right to the tunnel. Obviously, he knows his his body himself yeah. really well. He's dealt with a lot of injury. But it, it, part of what happened at the end of the game, I think, was Samuelson's absence. Like Rasmus Dahlin was exhausted on that last shift. Like mm-hmm. they overused the, the, their five and mostly power and Dahlin, they were exhausted on the last shift. So that's how Hegel was able to get the tire because Dahlin was at the end of a long shift and was completely gassed. Right. And bigger, much bigger minutes for Eric Johnson, who we had mentioned on yesterday's show, yeah. who'd been kind of loitering around the 12 minute range. He ended up almost 18 minutes last night. I, I I thought he was a pretty significant presence. Did you notice his game in any way? Yeah, I noticed his game. I think that uh, what you're getting from Eric Johnson is going to be stability, uh, you know, simplicity, and it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. That's what it should be. Right. And there's players like that. Um, I and think the numbers on Clifton last night were, were good too. You know, they, they, yeah, the numbers on Clifton were good too. The yeah. one thing with Connor Clifton, and and if I was his coach right now, I would say make a quicker decision with the puck. Right, like we go back to the Allen when uh, it was um, uh, Engball that came up to him and kind of spun him around, and then Clifton lost the puck, and then there was a goal right after. Mm-hmm. A little late to make a decision with the puck. Same thing happened on the Hagel first goal yesterday. Puck is behind the net. Connor Clifton gets the puck. He hangs on to it a little bit longer, and then he gets hit, loses yeah. a puck battle. The puck gets back to the front, and he score. Yeah, that was a tricky one. I mean, it ended up being Yoki Haru on the wall, and he was kind of outmanned two to one, and Clifton's you know, back from it a little bit and the puck squirts out and then he can't get to it in time. But holy cow, if we were going to give the Rangers credit on opening night, like let's put some, uh, let's put some respect again on Brandon Hagel. Oh my gosh. Is he, uh, he is just everywhere. He is so good. And like the two goal performance, including the tire with seven seconds left. He is a handful, man. Like this team is still ultra talented, even without Stamkos. But like Hagel and honestly, Tanner Janot played really well last night too. I thought yeah. he was really, really, really noticeable for them. So I know hey, they're Sabres, uh, by the way, Sabres scored first, which is Sabres huge, right? First. We Sabres scored this. first. We yeah. talked about it last night in the NHL. There was nine games. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing a quick count here. Three, four, five, six, seven, uh, seven and two team that scored first last night ended up seven and two. Only yeah. the, uh, San Jose Sharks, who scored first, did not win, and oh. the Stars, who scored first, did not win. But it's really seven one and one last night. How many home teams first. won last night out of the nine games? Um, the Golden Knights did. 
the Islanders did, and the, the Sabres and the Flyers. So four teams won at home nine. last night. Oh, wow, mind. that's low because it had been well over 70% of late, which was a little opposite of last year when road teams were really good. That Dallas-Vegas uh, game, by the way, uh, phenomenal, great shootout. Dallas feels a little cheated. They they scored once and hit two crossbars and ended up losing yeah. in the shootout. But Shea Not Theod- one save, not one save by Aiden Hill in the shootout. <laughs> Unbelievable. And Shea Theodore with a, just a un, just so good. He's 10 for 21 now, lifetime in shootouts, and you know, continuing to rise up the all-time defenseman scoring list in shootout goals. Man, they are a treat to watch that Vegas team. Do you think that uh, we're about to cue Rod Brindamore, like his team is being victimized by the referees, by the amount of penalties that the Carolina Hurricanes took last night? They are. It was like nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And then he challenges uh, a goal. He got an unsucked challenge penalty, and it was on more and more and more. It was like Carolina, like parade to the penalty box. But Freddie Anderson left the game last yes. night, so once again, here we are, right? Like, and who? Like, I don't know. Did you get an update on that? I haven't seen anything coming. I haven't seen it. an update the, either. You know, no. I saw Luke Shen's four to six weeks with Nashville, and you know, boy, did they get torched! I, oh, since we're on it, I. I don't want to. I don't want to miss this. And Dan's gonna. We're gonna talk obviously a lot more Sabers. Uh, Dan Dunleavy's gonna be with us at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> Leon Drysital. Oh. And the Nashville Predators. Yes. Okay. This is this crazy. Is. I'll say it. It's historic. Like I don't know what Leon was doing in the first dozen games of his career against the Predators. Like whether he was going out too much or not going out enough. But like this. This run against the Predators in his last 12 meetings, the Oilers are 10-0-2. Yeah. He has 22 goals, mm-hmm. almost two goals a game, and he has 34 points, almost three points a game. <laughs> One player dominating a team like we have not seen in this last few years. So what do you think this led me down? It- Who averages the most points in their career per game against the Nashville Predators. Who is it? Well, it's got to be Leon Dreisaitl. It's Wayne Gretzky. No way. <laughs> Gretz played Nashville twice in his final year in 98-99. He put up a three-point game at the Garden, and then he had a five-point game in Nashville 16 games before his career ended. He had eight points in two games. No one will ever average more points per game in their career. No, nobody's going to average four points per game against Nashville. Mind-blowing. It's like, think of another thing that Gretzky could hold the record for. Well, Well, okay, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one thing that Gretzky doesn't have the record. He didn't have the record to start with, but he doesn't have that record. Most power play goals in Oilers history. Unreal. That list. Leon Dreisaitl Dreisaitl is one, and he he's going to continue to put that that gap between him and Glenn Anderson, who is two, Mm -hmm. and then Ryan Smith is in that conversation. I'm like, what? Like, I understand Ryan Smith was like the net front presence king with the Oilers, but. To think that Wayne Gretzky wasn't on that list of power play goal guy or whatnot. Six it was times the assists, so, so. Well, I I totally understand that. But Wayne I would have been very thought, unselfish when it came to that. Oh, on the power play only <laughs> five well, on five. He's like, give me my goals. You know what? I don't even think Wayne ever looked like he played that way. It was no. just Wayne was always there to finish it if needed. 
right? Yeah. Like he's, he, he it, scored it was, goals because he was in the right spot at the right yeah. time. His game was always, inst- yeah. what can I, what can I create? How can I create yeah. a play, a perfect pass, a perfect play? But yeah, but I was surprised when they were talking about Leon Dreisaitl, one power play goal shy yeah. of the Oilers record. And I, I I thought to myself, I'm like, Duffer, that would be a great question. Who's the all-time record for power play goals for the Oilers? Yeah. Everybody would think Wayne Gretzky. No, it's Glenn Anderson. So the question now, given that he's got at least another decade to go, is will Dreisaitl overtake Ovechkin at the end of his career with the most power play goals in NHL history? I say yes. I say yes as well, because Leon Dreisaitl and that Oilers power play for, for the next decade will right. be so hot. They are one and two in three games. They lost two games to the Vancouver Canucks before winning against the National Predators. They have now scored uh, five power play goals in three games. Okay, they scored three in the two games against Vancouver and two in the game against Nashville last night. Think about it. If they went out and scored... 130 or 140 power play goals this year. How many of those goals would be Leon Dreisaitl? 30? 40. He might set 40? the record. He, you know, he was he was broaching it last year. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I it won't no take him it long. There's no reason it wouldn't be high 30s, yeah. It Great. wouldn't take him long to get. If he scores 30 power play goals a year, mm-hmm. it won't take him long to get there. No. It's amazing. And the Sabres are still looking for their first power play goal. They had yet another opportunity thwarted early in the game with their yeah. own penalty. Um, did you see any progress in that regard? Although it was, I'm going to say, probably the worst part of the game was the Sabres' first power play. It was yeah. a bad power play. Yeah. Once again, you know, like, so you watch enough hockey that you look at some teams like Carolina last night in the third period, they had a power play early in the, in the third period and they're working from the left side. And I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, it's not going to work. Their bumper is on, is a righty is on the wrong side. And then they went to the right side and it's almost like a football, uh, you know, coach offensive coordinator that schemes like guys open. And then they got the bumper open. They got a one-timer open. I don't feel like the Sabres are scheming anybody open right now in their power play setup. Mm. Maybe teams have pre-scouted them well enough that they're taking all their options away. Well, got to work different options. And right now, the Sabres don't have any really set options. They try to to circle the drain and see if something's going to happen. But by the time you look up for a pass option, the player you thought was going to be in point A, he's moved to point C. And then that just, there's no flow to it. I appreciated Darlene's willingness to shoot, though. Yeah, and he yeah. said to us he's going to be more of a threat from the middle of the ice, so yeah. Yeah. that was good. I actually thought Dylan Cousins had a power play shot from the slot. Mm-hmm. Like, it came back to him, and he shot it from the slot. That's where you have to think beyond, like, what would Wayne Gretzky do in that situation? And he had Tage Thompson left for the one-timer where everybody's eyes were on Dylan Cousins. Mm -hmm. And if he just gets the puck there and he slides it over, that's a goal. That's a goal 99.9% of the time. That's where you have to be creative. If you want to free up Tage Thompson, open up the middle of the ice to Cousin Mm -hmm. and then slide it over if you have to. Well, they won in blue and gold last night. They look to do it again tomorrow against Calgary. And on Saturday, it's the return of black and red. First of 15 times this year in the third jerseys. And we're looking forward to that. First 10,000 fans to receive a Let's Go Buffalo rally towel. You can get your tickets now at sabers.com slash tickets. Dan Dunleavy straight ahead here on Sabres Live.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.